Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Projected Opinions Podcast, the best movie podcast, and about the time it takes to commute to work. My name is Matt Noble. And I'm Nathan Payne. And this week, we are bringing to you a review of the sequel, prequel, addition to the... the seventh. (laughs) uh, The franchise ending, hopefully, The Predator. Do you know what my job description is? I'm in acquisitions. I look up and I catch what falls out of the sky. What's on the ship? And that's from the trailer for The Predator. Uh, Nathan, you asked to see this. Yes, I'm sorry, Matt. Me too. So why don't you kick it off and talk to us about why you were intrigued. Well, The Predator, for those of you that are um, unaware of the legend that is Arnold, started in the 80s. (laughs) If you have been under a rock (laughs) the past 40 years. And it can't, like, the the franchise started in a time when uh, 80s action was really kind of at its peak. Um... And that genre has been defined by movies like The Predator. And Aliens. And Aliens. Though I think Aliens was more supposed to be thriller horror than than Predator, which is just action horror. Um, but regardless, it filled that void in, in the, the country's uh, psyche, I guess. And so we've decided in our sequel-infested... Hollywood era to uh, take another stab at it. And so they brought along um, Shane Black um, to helm this after he did Iron Man 3. They approached him with a budget and said, do you want to do a Predator remake? And he said, no, but I'll do a Predator sequel. And so here we are. Um, Thank goodness it wasn't a remake. Sorry. Yeah, that's fair. I don't want to... That's fair. I'm going to get that myself. Anyway, this movie is supposedly supposed to be the same kind of deal. It's R-rated action horror flick. Um, And that's kind of where the similarities stop. Uh, I'm going to just say it. I'm not really a fan of this movie at all. Uh, I did not enjoy it for various reasons some of which are superficial and some of which are just deep issues with everything um so this is this is not going to be a great review for me this is going to be a lot of negativity i'll see if i can pull it out of myself to be the devil's advocate on this okay how wonderful it is. um so I, I thought it was i don't know what i went into expecting I've heard a lot about this film, read that it was not great, so I went in with, I think, I pr- it probably met expectations. I-, I was prepared for a pretty uninteresting sequel adventure, and that's what it is. I, it's a cash grab. It really um, is. It's a, I-, I get why they gave it to Shane Black, I don't think... They should have given it to Shane Black. I, I would have loved to see a lot of other 
filmmakers tackle this. This would have been really cool with a young, fresh uh, mm-hmm. take from a director who hasn't done something like it before. Or, uh, you know, uh, something that would have been really fun. Oh, gosh. Uh, what's S- something that, uh, who, what's her name? Who directed Wonder Woman? Uh, oh, Patty, Patty Jenkins. Yeah, Patty Jenkins. That would have been a crazy cat uh, like choice for a director and i think it would have been a lot a lot of fun like I, no one knows just what that subvert film would look, expectations yeah. yeah like what would that film even look like we don't know that sounds like a really interesting movie to me um i'd watch alien versus predator by patty jenkins oh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> disney if you're looking to restart any of these franchises because now lord that knows bought, you need to now <laughs> You've bought Fox. Let's do it. Uh, Patty Jenkins. Uh, let's what? Let's do, make that happen, please. So, this this was it was okay. I mean, I think I just rated it on IMDb a five out of ten. That's probably maybe it was a six. It was probably a six. No, no. It was it was just I don't want to see it again. Um, and we'll get into spoilers here in a, in a couple of minutes. Uh, I thought it was. A story that didn't need to be told. That I don't feel like a better person walking out of it. I don't even feel like an entertained person walking out of it. Um, I also had a long day. I'm really tired, so maybe that's like... <laughs> oh, man, I said I was going to be devil's advocate and talk about how great it was. Here's the deal, guys. <laughs> if you love crazy action slasher, like... If you like blood-splattering action. Head, decapitations. How many were there? At least 12 Something decapitations. Like um, as that was a lot, and uh, if you find that exciting, um, if this, you like Olivia is... <laughs> Munn with all of her clothes on all the time, then this is the movie for you. Uh, well, no, see, she took her clothes off. I was and shocked. Nothing happened. Yes, I was sh- one. I bet it was written, and she said no, or they cut it. Um, because because of the Me Too thing? Yeah, because that's not a Shane Black move. I, I totally expected as soon as they were like going through the decant... Uh, spoiler alert, there's a decontamination zone at a wow, government, at a government research facility. facility. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh gosh, here it Here comes. we go. Yeah, and nothing happened. I was like, yeah, there you go. Well done. Way to not play into that. Actually, I thought her character was not the worst. Yeah, like, I was actually very surprised. Um my one here i've got a positive thing my one <laughs> really positive surprise was the fact that they didn't turn the female character into a the love interest mm-hmm. or b the stupid one she's yep. in fact the one that makes most of the smart decisions uh she well, didn't make a ton of smart decisions well let's, just let's be honest put this in the frame of reference of that most decisions. of the decisions in this movie were not smart but a majority of the smart ones came from her as opposed to the other characters who mostly didn't she kept up didn't think like that was right great. and she wasn't she didn't feel fulfill any of the female stereotypes she yep. she was a character in her own right for her own sake yep and it had nothing to do with just making the other characters yeah like story more yeah, fulfilling. she wasn't there to be a foil for our main male character which was honestly nice. i felt that she had a greater right to the title of main character than the main character mostly just because i ended up hating the main character and i didn't i didn't really hate her at the end that's fair i didn't either she 
She's probably we, the only we character thought I didn't so hate. good of her that we didn't hate her. That's how great this movie is, guys. <laughs> Run out and see it. And now with that, today. <laughs> with that roaring review of positivity, let's you jump two right into spoilers. Can go see this movie right now. So, speaking of discretion, I one there was I, none on the sake of the editor. Right. So. <laughs> Is that what you're going to just, say? You're just to, just to cover, yes, because this is my most egregious issue with this movie. Is that a lot of times we will, and I'll cover some of the basics of what, what I'm looking for and like what I'm talking about. I'll define some terms mm-hmm. so that I don't leave anybody behind. So Thank you. I know that's when, for my sake. I actually appreciate that. <laughs> when you shoot and edit a movie there's some general rules that people look for um one is that you have quote unquote a master shot which usually is a wider angle shot that you shoot the whole scene from and you can see most if not all of the action of the scene from this one angle the reason being a it allows everybody that's on set during the time to actually see what it's going to look like everybody's movements everybody's dialogue where everything happens it's a roadmap. It is. It's, it's a it's a th- literally a thousand foot view. A great example of this was if you're watching Jack Ryan right now, or if you've seen the Bourne movies, they will start with a large location shot, like an aerial shot, and say Langley, mm-hmm. you know, Virginia, a CIA headquarters, and then they'll cut to the ground, and these people are walking into the building that you just saw. Mm-hmm. And it's like a wide shot of them walking across, and you can kind of like get a feel for, okay, I know where they are in relationship to the building. And then it's a tight one on their faces as they're like talking to each other, walking towards the building. And if you're in Langley, you get the top-down view of them crossing the seal. Like, you yep. know, you get all of the road, like the, the road signs and landmarks of what you need to know. Um, and so generally you shoot this master shot. And how you edit that is that's the first thing you see, generally, is this wide angle so that you can establish where the characters are in the environment and where all of the pieces that they interact with are. That way, when you're cutting between close-ups later, you understand the geography of the scene. This movie almost completely failed to follow this rule ever. Ever. There are wide shots, technically, as in you can see a lot of things. They are almost never used to give the audience a understanding of the scene. In fact, most of the time a new scene starts, it was almost entirely on a close-up or medium of just a person, which is really disorienting because then you have no idea where they are, what they're doing, context, who else is there, and like the, you have no sense of timeline either. You don't know if this is a jump into the future or the past or God knows what. It's just... I, so this movie starts with, um, it kind of gives you like a preview of like what's happening to like four different characters as you're going through. It, immediately you're introduced to the main character, um, McKenna, and his men as they encounter the Predator right off the bat. Um, you are given a view of his son um, and his estranged wife who you're not actually told that they're related almost at any point that's uh, not true he's an in interrogation and they say oh would you like to ever see your son and estranged wife again blah 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 and it's like okay all right we get it i, I wasn't paying attention to that. hashtag exposition 
we'll get to the writing later. <laughs> what writing? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, the fact that they need to hire a writer. Um, Shane Black did a great job. You shut your mouth. Don't lie to me on a podcast, Matt. That's unbecoming. Set <laughs> You're introduced to Olivia Munn's character and uh, her being uh, accosted by some federal agent, some someone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, they give you <laughs> they give you a close to medium shot of her sitting at a bench with dogs running around her in mm-hmm. what looks like a park. And at the bottom, it gives you some text saying... Say John Hopkins? John's, yeah, John Hopkins University. Maryland. And you're like, okay, woman on a bench outside the university. Dudes walk up, like medium to uh, close-up shot on her face. She turns around and they're talking to her and you're like, uh, what? Side note, I've never found a professor where I expected them to be. And it's almost never on a bench outside at a university. There's two places to find a professor at a university, late to the class that they're supposed to be teaching, or at the coffee shop. It's because so, they're at the bench. They're late to class because they're sitting on a bench with dogs. Yes, but I'm outside on my campus all the time, and I never see anyone on the bench, let alone a professor. We went to very different universities. Maybe. But my college was classic. Like, a professor is either smoking a pipe, walking around the quad, sitting on a bench, potentially, uh, in his or her office, not looking at the time, late to class, or in class. I wonder what it's like to go to a real university. Anywho. That's a strong word for whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, and then you're introduced to the antagonist. Um, I don't even remember his name, to be perfectly honest. I don't know if anybody really uses it. The predator? It. No, no. The, the dude that decided to call it the predator just because it's hunter-gatherer cool. is... Uh, hang on Not a second. Cool. I know who you're talking about. Um, anyway, so you're introduced to these four Traeger characters. Traeger is the only name you're given. Traeger. Literally, just one name. I don't actually remember Played anybody ever saying Brown. that. He's a great actor. Thought he was, he was like, he tried to do something with whatever it was that he was given. Anyhow. Yeah. Um, so also, you're introduced to these. Can we, can we these... talk about Olivia Munn, who came from like gamer television on what used to be called G4 TV? You remember? This is way before your time. This is, Gosh, sorry. I'm dating myself. Uh, and she was like on a, a video game tech news show uh, on a tech gamer TV channel on cable. Um, she was co-host. And, and now she's in big budget films. Yes. Um, the only other film I've actually seen her in was X-Men Apocalypse. No, I never actually saw that well. She's um, she's been in a lot of stuff recently. Good for her, by the way, uh, because I don't, I don't know if she got like a new agent or something. So she was in X Men. She was in Ocean's Eight. That's right. Uh, she was in the Lego Ninjago movie, which no one saw mm-hmm. uh, for obvious reasons. Because why? And Zoolander Dose, Ride Along Dose. Mort Dekai. That was a disaster. Train wreck. Anyhow, I'm just impressed that Magic Mike. Anyhow, well, I at digress. least she's graduated from Magic Mike. Way to go. Um, Way to go, Olivia. Yeah, and as far as like these the actors dealing with some laughably on-the-nose dialogue, um, I thought most of them ended up making it through, and some of them even had 
personalities that they were able to impart on their characters. Um, but I was fairly disoriented for like the first 20 minutes because I was trying to figure out how everybody's connected. And then, and then I realized that part of the problem was, um, one, you didn't know who was supposed to be the main main character for a while. Um, though you can assume that it's McKenna just because you saw him first, though that's not and a great reason. That's not a great reason. Um, and then I realized that you could have, in fact, removed all of the character introductions from everyone else, and it would have actually made the movie more suspenseful and made it less confusing to know less. Because, in fact, in most of their introductions, you didn't actually learn anything. In Olivia Munn's introduction, you see her getting picked up by suits. You don't actually learn anything until she gets to the place. And even then, you still don't need to see that. You can just hear about the fact that the Predator escaped the government. Yep. That's true. Like, uh, you, In fact, she's... it makes it better if you just hear that it nebulously escaped. Yeah. Of course, it's not as violent, but, you know, I would sacrifice good story for violence, too. Clearly. Okay. I don't... That was just a poor attempt at sarcasm. That's a judgment <laughs> on you, but that's all right. Um... Okay, let's talk about. Yeah, I guess we already talked about editing, cinematography, the directing. The directing is like here. Here's the deal. This original Predator movie was um, actually suspenseful. I, I don't think there was any time during this movie where I was like, I don't know my what's going to happen, yeah. or I don't know what ha- how many times. Okay, so th- we have a bad <laughs> habit now of attending movies together and sitting next to each other and whispering like. The next scene. I bet you XYZ happens. I bet you XYZ happens. Uh, and this movie was probably the second worst to the Tomb Raider movie. Like, we predicted... We predicted more in Tomb Raider, but we predicted a lot in this. And it was also fairly specific. Hats off to my my man Matt here. Somebody owes him $10,000. Um, because he successfully... Um, uh, predicted the fate of the bad Traeger yeah, bad Traeger guy um, who gets this minigun thing that sits on his shoulder. It's the that, predator weapon. It looks like a little parrot. He's so he's the he's and the... he steals it from a predator, <laughs> and uh, it's controlled by looking around. Um, and then you, you just, shoot with you your just thought. Will. Yeah, you just shoot with your thoughts. You the will the problem thing with this is that you know if it's on your shoulder and your head's next to you, that eventually there's one direction that you will look where the gun is pointed at your head. And I failed to see the comedic genius of this until Matt leans over me in the middle of the uh, forest fight scene towards the end, and he goes, $10,000, he shoots his own head off. 30 seconds later, in, just in the middle of nowhere, he's, his character is not actually engaging in combat. The predator is somewhere else, like, fighting two different people and is on fire. And he just looks, and then he just, his head is gone. Yeah, <laughs> it happens so, so fast. out of context. So frustrating <laughs> that he's the villain for most of this film. Like, and, and then not the villain, but like an, yeah, an antagonist. He's, he's a the human, human villain, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's gone in like milliseconds. Like, we don't even like get... Like, the shot lasted maybe a second. And, and here's the thing. Like, a lot of times you'll hear people no saying chaos. it was cut too fast. Well, that's not actually the problem. And here's the example. Mad Max Fury Road has one of the fastest True. Um, yep. cut ratios um, of all time. Its, its average shot length is like 1.2 seconds. That's insane. And that's almost too fast for your brain to keep up. Except for somehow, everything makes sense. 
all the time. Like you don't lose yourself in the it movie. It actually ends up feeling like the takes are much much longer. It because really of does the because you stop noticing where the cuts are. In this movie, it's like right before they show you something necessary where you'd get context, they cut away to something that's equally as unnecessary, and it's really frustrating because you start not understanding where people are and what people are doing and nothing matters anymore the nothing world matters and in fact when you start looking at some of these shots they last a fairly long amount of time you just don't learn anything from them and you don't learn anything because the story's not being progressed by what's happening on screen and you don't know where you are ever you don't know like they're driving around they make it to the school Actually, I think they make it to the baseball field. And I'm thinking to myself, why this place? Like, what is the point? They even try to point out how important it is to the kid by saying, okay, so he's on his own. He's got this predator equipment. He's accidentally just blown a kid to smithereens. So accidentally committed murder. House exploded. He's running away on Halloween night after trick-or-treating. And he's got all this equipment. Where is he going to go? But hats off to Shane Black for not making another Christmas movie. Side note, sorry. This is like the only movie he's ever made that wasn't set at Christmas. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Your originality, sir, is stunning. So, <laughs> um, so anyhow, they say, well, wh- where would your son go to the, the soldier, McKenna? Where would your son go? What, like, what, what place is important to him? And he's at the baseball field. And I'm like, Which is not established at all in this film. Right, like, He's like he's there's a kid no character on, development on the right, kid. He's on the spectrum. He sits at home playing video games all the time. He gets bullied at school. What the heck does this baseball field mean to him? We're never given anything, mm-hmm. and we don't even know like where we are in relationship to to his home, to any place that he was where he blew the kids up in the house. Like his dad, like bursts through the fence in the car and jumps out and then like suddenly like alien dogs run out of the forest to kill them and i don't know why this place matters i don't mm-hmm. know why we're here i don't know what we're doing i don't know what the progression from this place to the next place will be because nothing matters mm-hmm. uh and good storytelling guys is when every single thing that's happening on screen is moving your characters forward in the plot line and you can sense either a rising action or a falling action, not just action action, mm-hmm. which is what this movie was all about. Mm-hmm. End of monologue. There you go. And I'm just thinking back. So the first time you meet the kid, you meet him in school. Um, he's being semi-bullied, and he he also has, there's this chess gimmick that allows you to see that he's intelligent behind all of this, oh, which is also to just show a terrible stereotype. Spectrum. Right. Yeah. Um, and they show him at home talking to his mother and they there's this huge emotional beat um that they promptly cut away from to some sign to a building um which is another thing like they don't let the the parts that are actually emotional like while they are few and far between they don't let them sit with you they don't let you think about the implications of what people say and you know, in these 10 minutes that we have with this kid and this mother, we never once hear anything about baseball. We never once hear anything about school other than the fact that he doesn't want to be recognized by the people he goes to school with during Halloween. And there's there's so much time that you could have done something right. there. It's not exactly like it would have added to the runtime. You could have written 
anything very simple into that scene to show it. Like, you don't even need to say it. Um, and that's, that's another thing as far as, like, the writing. How you can tell when the writing is not great is generally because characters will say what they actually want or mean. Which, if you know a human being, is not what we do. Human beings never just come out and say it. Which is part of the reason why we miscommunicate all the time. It's really annoying. Because there's this subtext that we operate with. We'll say something, but what we actually mean is under there somewhere else, and we just need you to, de to decode it. And when this... When I realized just how bad this movie was, was when Olivia Munn's character gets dragged into the scenario by the army people for the first time mm. in this hotel room, and she just goes, ah, screw it, I'm in. And that was it. And I was like, you didn't fight, you didn't argue, these people have literally just told you things that you can't prove, there's nothing here that means that you are better off with them that there's any information they have that you don't. In fact, they don't have information that you need because she, as the scientist and having interaction with it, knows more about the creature and knows more about everything relating to this circumstance than they do. Except also, for... she knows how to use a weapon fairly well besides tranking herself in the foot. Yes. Uh, I was like, oh, wow, you're a Though person to be fair, who does like, uh, evolutionary biology and you run around with a gun still more online. believable than some of the other things to be fair though i might shoot myself in the foot if i was on top of a moving school bus that was getting attacked by two dogs and a predator and being driven by a crazy person with five other crazy people in it shooting weapons i'll believe that more than i'll believe some of the other things that happened fair enough i, I was trying to come up with this <laughs> back and i just had nothing <laughs> too tired but let's, let's wrap it up. Yes. 25 so minutes here's in. the thing. If you want to, and sometimes this can be valuable, if you care a lot about how storytelling works and how it doesn't work, this might actually be a good movie to go and see because it will teach you why they teach you the rules to storytelling. This is a good movie to watch to try to figure out why it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Because even though it's just a fairly boring, simple story, there's a couple of things that if they had changed just a little bit, if they had edited or shot a bit differently, they would make it far more bearable to watch. But I think it's an interesting study in why the rules exist the way that they do, and why yeah. we're taught um, to foreshadow, why we're taught to use time wisely and advance the story, why we're taught to have characters communicate with subtext, and why we're taught... <laughs> the horror and why we're taught to edit and shoot things with a certain way wide to close instead of going into a close first mm -hmm. because it disorients the audience now spielberg has done that he's cut into a scene with a close-up before and it disorients you and you have no idea what's going on you're supposed to be disoriented at that exactly. point story though exactly but he does it to make you feel a certain way and when you need to know to understand he shows you mm -hmm. this movie does not use that technique it just assumes that you kind of have this all-knowing ability to understand where they are and what's going on and you don't so if you're interested in trying to maybe dissect why some movies work and some movies don't this actually might be a good movie for you or if you just like seeing people's bodies explode into showers of blood other than that you should probably go see crazy rich Asians like we should have 
Thank you for admitting that on the air. You're welcome. I'm Next wrong. week, easy <laughs> rotations. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Projected Opinions podcast. Uh, catch us on social media and our website, projectedopinions.com. And uh, subscribe and uh, give us a review on uh, wherever you're listening to this, uh, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or other places where podcasts can be found. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.